Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey Jeff, if it looks like beef, tastes like beef, and smells like beef, is it still beef? It could just be mushrooms. Uh, today, we're talking about Beyond Meat, a plant-based meat substitute company. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. So as Jeff mentioned, uh, Beyond Meat makes uh, different plant-based meat substitutes. Uh, their products range from uh, beef to pork to chicken, and they come in uh, tender form, ground meat form, meatball, sausage, and, and patty form. Uh, the ingredients that they used are all plant-based. So they use pea proteins, rice proteins, canola oil, soy powder, gluten-free flour, carrot fiber. A bit of an alphabet soup tongue twister right there. But yep. <laughs> <they> <laughs> At least use... you can pronounce everything, right? <laughs> exactly. But they use various manufacturing processes, um, you know, ranging from steam to cold water and even pressure to create that meat-like texture. So some of their beef products, they actually have even started to give it, uh, you know, that bleeding type feel when you're handling meat by using red beet juice. So if you look at Beyond Meat's business model, uh, it looks like they have two ways that they go to market. So the first way is through wholesalers and that that eventually ends up at your local grocery store. So, uh, you know, you go to your local Whole Foods or your Wegmans or your Stop and Shop, wherever you are, and you can go to the usually the meat section. Sometimes it's in the uh, organic or um, quote unquote health food section. Um, they also use partnerships with bigger food companies like Tim Hortons or McDonald's. Um, and then Beyond Meat has also been getting into additional collaborations. I know they just announced a collaboration with Taco Bell upcoming in 2021, uh, as well as Pepsi to come up with some new snacks. So to solidify that partnership strategy, it's going to be interesting what they come out with over the next uh, over the next few months. Yeah, I um, I think they're also in Costco. So like I mentioned in a previous episode that I'm always at Costco once a week and both Beyond Meat and their competitor Impossible Foods are also at Costco previously, like before meat substitutes or they call them like meat analogs, right? Or I think that's the one of the terms I use. Vegetarian food was like always kind of blah, like when it comes to mainstream, right? Mm -hmm. Like what's that company? I think there's like a company, Morningstar. Morningstar, um, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Like they do a lot of like vegetable proteins and they don't really hide the fact that it's vegetable. They're not trying to be a meat substitute. I think they've only really been semi-successful with like breakfast sausage. <laughs> yeah, and veggie burgers. They're like, yeah. like Morningstar is like the OG veggie burger. Right, right. And there's always kind of this like, oh, uh, it's vegetables. Like, you know, they didn't, and again, they didn't hide the fact that it's um, vegetables kind of trying to be meat. It's just like, hey, this is vegetables like in a different form. And I think the only time that you would get like really good vegetable substitutes were like vegan or vegetarian restaurants that were like specifically doing this thing in small batches like for their own restaurants so like nobody had really tackled this problem at the scale of like producing ready to eat foods or like totally. readily packaged foods or processed foods in some ways and so yeah like beyond meat is definitely filling this void i think of uh, people that want to just still like cook at home but want like some sort of either sustainable alternative or maybe for dietary reasons like you know a meat alternative mike I i'm curious like when do you think was the first time you've like tried like some sort of meat substitute yeah, so I grew up um, where <laughs> very much like a meat had to be at every single meal. Yeah. And it, it was <laughs> like, um, I'm half Asian, so it was always either rice or it was actually always rice. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, meat, meat, rice, and like a vegetable. Um, so it took me definitely a while, probably not until um, undergrad in like, you know, 2007, 2009 timeframe for me to actually start trying even like a quote unquote veggie burger before I was just like, you're gung ho, like, like if it's going to be called a burger, it's got to have meat in it, you know, type yeah. of uh, deal. Gotta so bleed. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I can't remember the first time I tried 
like an Impossible Burger or a Beyond Meat Burger. I do remember one instance in particular was there's a place called Monty's in LA and they're pretty well known um, to do, they do like full vegan, like a full vegan menu, vegan fries, vegan cheese, vegan tater tots, vegan burgers. And we waited in line because we knew that this place was good, but we didn't find out until we got to the front that it was a vegan place. <laughs> and so we're like, we're here, you know, we might as well try it. And it was yeah, you made it. delicious. Like it was one of the best burgers I've ever had. There's like a slight taste that you can kind of tell that it's not meat. Um, it's just like slightly sweet, I think. But otherwise, it was like super, super good. And I even crave that burger a lot of times. I, I think the it. problem with, you know, meat alternatives or meat analogs is just the price. For me, like that's, I don't know about you, but like for me, the price point's like right now kind of high. And I think obviously it's the economies of scale. And once they start doing this more and more, the price is going to come down. Obviously, now that it's in Costco, it's even like more affordable, but it's still more expensive than meat. So that's where I'm yeah. like a little hesitant to to jump right in and try like moving full on to like meat analogs or like you know significantly replacing a portion of the meat that i eat with like a like a meat alternative totally and i I think like for me it's like i've definitely you know as i've like progressed in my career i've actually started switching to like you know more like grass-fed or organic beef just i I personally think it tastes better yeah as well as like the environmental impacts um of purchasing just higher quality meat but yeah I, i definitely agree where it's you know the the meat analogs is definitely a bit out of my price range, but I think I'm starting to, you know, prices are starting to come down with like the almost meat analogs. Like one of my favorites is uh, the soy chorizo at um, mm. at Trader Joe's. Yeah. And so um, my buddy Derek introduced that to me, but uh, it's something that I, I crave for like during breakfast and actually like that better than like regular chorizo. And it's, it's relatively inexpensive, like a couple yeah. bucks for like a, you know, 10, 12 ounce pack. So, but yeah, I totally agree with you that like the pure one for one of like, you know, hey, here's a pound of like, you know, plant-based beef versus regular beef that feels like super pricey. I think there's multiple hurdles that, you know, meat alternatives have to go through before people like widely accept them. And the first hurdle has already kind of been overcome. It's like this taste and texture thing. Like that's like the biggest problem, right? And so now they're over that hurdle. I think the next hurdle for most people seems to be price. Most of the people that I've heard that have tried, you know, Beyond Meat or Impossible Foods, they're usually like, oh, it's pretty, it's good. Like I I can't really tell that much of a difference, but when you see like if you're getting an impossible burger and it's more expensive than a regular burger, you're like, ah, like why, you know, they, they feel like why wouldn't I get quote unquote the real thing, even though the real thing is like worse for the environment or like worse for totally. your health or whatever. Um, the other thing too, is that if you actually look at, I'm like kind of a macronutrient nut, like, you know, in my previous life, I did a lot of, if it fits your macros and macro tracking and beyond me, um, macro profile or like meat alternative macro profiles are actually really similar to like like the higher fat meats. And so like for me, I would want to eat like a meat alternative if I felt like it was lower like in fats. Yeah, maybe higher Got in it. protein. Um, and like the carb profile was like, even if there's some carb profile in it, like even though there's no usually no carbs in obviously a regular burger, like I don't mind trading off like some of the fats for carbs there. But it feels like I'm just buying like the same thing. You know what I'm saying? So like for sure. In my mind, like if it tastes the same, kind of like what you asked in the beginning, if it tastes the same, if it, you know, the texture is the same, but it costs more and it's not better macros, like why would I buy a meat alternative aside from obviously there's a lot of sustainability like benefits to it. Right. But I think for most people, they don't, they think about like instant gratification. So they're like, how's this going to help me now by helping me satisfy the now I will help (laughs) fulfill the future of like, you know, fixing the environment and stuff like that and sustainability. 
For sure. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, like the, if you're faced with like the same option and one's pricier, you're just going to go with the cheaper option. Yep. Yeah. You know, and so like granted, like the you, one could argue that with like regular beef or beef from a cow that the full cost isn't actually baked in there, like because no one's really paying like physically with real dollars, at least not yet for that carbon cost or the sustainability yeah, right. cost of that yeah. um, or the social cost of that. So um, yeah, that's fair. I think we'll get to a point of like where it's like, hey, like maybe there's gonna be a carbon tax or some sort of like carbon market that develops and beef prices raise. And then simultaneously with like meat substitutes, just as we, they start to scale and get better manufacturing processes, um, that price comes down. And I think we'll eventually reach a point where it's cheaper. Not to get too much into like economics, but like this is kind of similar with cheaper foods in general, like fast foods. Like a lot of people will say like, why would I buy a burger somewhere else when I can buy it at McDonald's? But then you'll think about like the health costs or like the quality. And um, a lot of times, like when you have the money, then you won't be purchasing McDonald's all the time. But a lot of people that can afford like the nicer alternatives, like Beyond Meat or whatever, like they're still buying burgers at McDonald's. And and at the end of the day, it might even cost them more because they could have health problems down the line. And, you know, they, totally. they're not paying here, but they're paying down the road in like medical bills or what have you. So I, I think that's like kind of the unfortunate thing is how do you make it affordable, accessible, equitable for like everybody, regardless of where your income level is at. And I think like Beyond Meat is getting really close. And it's just I think it's just going to continue to grow over the next um, next couple of years. Let's talk about how. um Beyond Meat came to be. It was actually yeah. founded in 2009 by Ethan Brown, which is kind of crazy. It's been around for, I guess, like almost 12 years now. Initially, he had reached out to two University of Missouri professors, one which was Fu Hong Se and then Harold Huff, about they were basically doing research on meatless proteins for some time and working on it for years. There's been a lot of research into sustainable meat practices. I know people grow meat in labs. I haven't quite tried any meat from labs yet. I don't know about you, but um, Not is, yet. Yeah. I'm all in though. Like I'm super sci-fi nerd. I, like I'm I'm watching the TV show The Expanse right now, and just like yeah, all in on anything. You'll eat it. That's, yeah, ex- exactly. I'll eat it. Like it's actually probably like a benefit to me that I was grown in a lab just <laughs> for like the the tech <laughs> the tech nerd in me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just like when I see like a heart beating in a tray, I'm still not there yet. Like, <laughs> I totally, I get where you're coming from. It's, you know, it's the same thing, but you know, if not no, just, better. I can't wait till I have a meat locker in my basement of just lab grown meat that I Ugh. can like <laughs> just pull, it's like, pull, pull off. It's just like nerves and everything running through it. Um, <laughs> Beyond Meat, their first product was actually what was called chicken free strips, which had some limited availability in 2012. And they started to kind of launch that there's actually a lot of like plant-based chicken nuggets now from even other companies that I think that's one of the first areas. It's kind of easy to do. It's like more of a blander meat than like, you know, like an iron based <laughs> like red meat, you know? So, well, um, and no one knows what's in chicken, <laughs> chicken nuggets. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's always, it's already a mystery meat. So why not make it healthier? In 2013, they were actually named uh, company of the year by PETA. In 2018, Beyond Meat had raised about $70 million. And some of the uh, people that invested in the company were people such as Bill Gates, who, you know, at this time is already investing a lot in the future, you know, understands a lot about his whole thing so far has been about vaccines and kind of world health. Um, but, you know, obviously is investing in something like this on the sustainability side. Totally. I know like Bill Gates uh, recently just like wrote um, his book and just tells us that we should be eating like 100% synthetic beef yeah. um, for sustainability reasons. So it's really interesting that he, um, even years ago, like in 2018, was investing. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. When he says synthetic, does he mean lab grown or does he mean like alternatives as well? That's a good question. I didn't get farther than the title on that article yet, <laughs> but it's it's on my it's on future Mike's list to read. Headline <laughs> reader. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, no, but yeah, exactly. So Bill Gates certainly knows um, where the future is going and is convinced that for the greater good that we should be doing this thing. He's a pretty smart guy. So Tyson Foods, which is, you know, a meat producer, they're mostly famous for chicken, purchased a 5% stake in October 2016 and actually invested um, in, in Beyond Meat as well. So, you know, they even know that part of the feature of their stake is that maybe their whole portfolio shouldn't be in meat and, and in chicken, and maybe it's not sustainable, or maybe they see that the public wants this. So they, they're smart enough to get in on this idea of moving to a meat alternative. Totally. I think a nice like industry analog is like with the energy industry and specifically like 10 years ago with like your Chevrons or any kind of like oil company started to take stakes in like renewable energy and clean tech mm -hmm. companies just because it was going from like an oil company to an energy company. Yeah. And I think with Tyson and all these other meat manufacturers and processors that you're going to go from a meat uh, company to a protein company. So I'm sure that they'll actually start investing into like insects and synthetic meat, like lab grown meat, and also um, these plant based proteins. At least if I was running the, the ship, that's kind of where I would start to take things strategically. Yeah, yeah. It's and there's going to be a pretty big marketing push and effort to kind of change the perspective, um, the outside perspective of their company to more of that, like, hey, we're not just we're like a food company, right? We're not just like a meat company. For sure. Um, they they had purchased, like I mentioned, they purchased that 5% stake in 2016, but then they actually sold it right before Beyond Meat's IPO. So I don't know if they currently have any stake in the company, but I wonder why they did that. Like, it seems like a strange move to do pre-IPO. Like, usually that doesn't bode well for the IPOing company. Maybe it's a Wall Street bets thing. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Beyond Meat IPO'd in the spring of 2019 and had a valuation of $4 billion, but then that jumped to $12 billion only two months later. So a really successful 3x. Um, of their company in just a few short months. Beyond Meat has since expanded into about 6,000 stores across the US. Um, and as Mike mentioned, they partner with multiple vendors and collaborators such as Taco Bell, Pepsi, McDonald's, etc. I know we're going to talk about competitors in a bit, but I want to touch really quickly on Impossible Foods. And it's important to mention them because they are also partnering with a lot of different companies. For example, Burger King has an Impossible Burger and they have a lot of alternative foods and all these different fast food restaurants. So like, even though Beyond Meat is just kind of breaking into some of these spaces, don't think that they're the only player in this space. And there's actually a pretty big penetration in the market of meat alternatives from the alternative meat industry as a whole. Yeah, totally. I'm super interested to see like how it shakes out with Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. Um, I know that one of the co-founders or early partners, at least within Impossible Foods was Seth Goldman, who is actually the founder of Honest Tea. And he actually has like a really interesting uh, book on the history of Honest Tea, where it's actually in gra graphic novel format. So like, you're oh, actually huh, seeing like panel yeah. and seeing his entrepreneurship story. But this guy is super passionate about sustainability. He has gone to this MBA conference called Net Impact, I think for like 17 or 19 years um, in a row. And he was actually there um, when I was in grad school in 2018. And so I actually got to to meet him and, and took a, a, a photo with him. So I was like, kind of nice. like a, a nerd moment for fan sustainability. Boy. Exactly. Yeah. A, a fanboy for me of, you know, meeting Seth Goldman and getting a, getting a photo. But I, I bring that up because he was one of the sponsors and he was there. Uh, Impossible Burgers at the lunches. So we got to just mm. basically, you know, try those burgers. And it was amazing. I was like, my, my mind was blown because I had, you know, veggie burgers before and even like the Beyond Burgers before. And they didn't like bleed and have that burger type, you know, like medium, medium yeah. well type feel. And mm -hmm. the Impossible Burgers were, were really, really good. 
Yeah. So I was, I, I loved, I love seeing that. So I'm, I'm, I love the competition in the space. And so I'm excited to see those two compete and just make better burgers. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So we can also talk about who Beyond Meat is for. And, you know, kind of, as I mentioned, I think I'm kind of the perfect customer. I'm super passionate about sustainability. So my long-term hope is that eventually we'll get to just like saturation where plant-based meat substitutes are really for everyone. Um, it definitely feels like if you look at the early adopters, you know, crossing the chasm customer adoption curve, I think we're getting to that early majority type where it's not just like the early adopters, but it's, you know, now it's in stores and it's becoming more normal. And I think it has a lot to do with the go-to-market strategy that you're seeing with these companies where they're actually partnering with these big, well-known brands like your Burger Kings and your McDonald's and all mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. Um, so it's becoming more acceptable. Um, just like some really interesting facts that I was doing some research on just on meat in the US. Um, so like right now in the US, like 99% of all the meat that's consumed in the US, it comes from factory farms. Uh, so, Jeez. you know, that yeah. is like the the best way to scale and to feed all of this demand for, for meat. But it's not a great life for these animals. And there's also a massive environmental impact um, from all these factory farms. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, like the, the way that I think about just like, and this is like the, the engineer in me of just like breaking down, like, how are we eating a calorie? It's just to think of like a calorie as like one giant machine and like what you're eating is the output. So the more times that you need to process that throughout the food chain, the more of the environmental impact. So for example, like eating something like tuna, that's an apex predator is going to be a ton of environmental impact because the tuna has to eat a, a another predator that eats another predator that eats another predator that eats, um, finally eats like a, an herbivore that eats plankton that gets that from the sun. So there's a lot of steps there for it to lose energy and just to transfer. Right. So when you're thinking about this from a, a beef perspective, uh, it takes about seven pounds of feed just to produce a single pound of beef. So this is really tough for me because like I'm like <laughs> sustainability is my passion, but I just got a smoker. Like I love meat. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just like definitely like a lot of tension with me in my personal like habits in my personal life. But um, it's just a huge impact, you know, from like the land use that we're doing to raise all this cattle and also like the water that goes into this and also the processing. So in looking at like what this is in terms of the U.S. scale. Um, about 18% of the U.S.'s calories come from meat and comes from dairy. But that 18% of calories actually uses up 80%, 80% of the farmland. Um, so it's like the reverse 80-20. <laughs> yeah. So it's just a massive impact to, to raise all this beef. It doesn't um, seem very efficient, right? Like Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I know I'm like diving super into like the, the facts here about um, <laughs> sustainability and beef, but it was just like all these like things to unpack because the real question I was trying to answer was, you know, like what's the environmental impact of a mm-hmm. uh, Beyond Burger versus a beef burger? Um, and so what I found there is like University of Michigan did a study and they compared the environmental impact between the two. They took a four ounce Beyond Burger and a similar beef burger um, and they found that the in the full life cycle analysis – the beef or sorry, the Beyond Burger generated 90% less greenhouse gas emissions. Um, so that's a huge reduction. Yeah. If I'm looking at this as an entrepreneur, that's like if you're able to 10x anything, that's a good market to be mm-hmm. in. And they're able to just remove, you know, 90% of the greenhouse gases, and that's massive. University of Michigan also looking at that ana- analysis. Um, found that 46% less energy was used in that um, Beyond Burger. So also another great market to be in if, if you're using less energy. It's just going to be a more efficient process, which I think leads to like our like earlier point where it's like, I think it's getting there with price because yeah. it's not quite cracked like the the mass market. I mean, I would love it for it to be there for sustainability reasons, but I think the blocker there is just cost. But mm-hmm. as soon as like 
I think it, it has the traction and it has the right fundamentals for this to be a huge success to feed people that are looking for these um, for protein, really. I, I definitely agree 100%. I, I feel like once you hit that right price point, and let's say, I don't know, this just came to mind, but let's say that you are Beyond Meat or Impossible Foods and you start offering to supply the, I don't know, let's say the public um, school system with their meat. Like imagine that partnership, right? And so kids are now eating meat alternatives at an early age. Maybe it's just once a week, um, but they're eating meat alternatives at an early age so that they're getting accustomed to it. They're noticing that there's really not a big difference of it. And then they start to prefer it maybe, or even they don't care if they go out and they buy one or the other, right? Again, if they're the same, maybe the same cost, maybe the same whatever, why would I not go for the vegetarian option if I feel like they taste about the same, but one's better for the environment, right? So totally. I think like you're going to start, I agree with you 100%, you're going to start seeing once you hit that price point, people start to prefer the meat alternatives because there's no drawbacks anymore. Um, and then people will actually you know choose it over over whatever. I think a lot of the times people think of the the extremes like there are people that are full vegan or which is fine um or, or they you know they only eat meat and don't eat vegetables but <laughs> it's like I joe think, rogan on like a january like yeah meat only like. right if if everybody replaced one meal a week like what that'd be an immense impact right totally um, and i think that's where people need to start thinking of uh where, where to use meat alternatives it's not so much that these companies are asking people to like completely switch their diets on their head but it's more so like, hey, consider you know trying this out once a week and seeing if you like it, and maybe just being yeah for sure, you know, like having for, like, a salad night. You know. Totally, yeah. Your, your taco night could be you know a beyond right. hamburger taco night, yeah. or like Impossible Foods taco night, like whatever you want to call it. But it doesn't have to be like no, no one's like you know you know twisting your arm and saying like stop doing this. Like totally, it, it, yeah. Ideally, like yeah, like you should do less of it, but. Um, just, I think just find ways to supplement it. And I think that that's why I really like this like entrepreneurial solution where it's like, hey, like if we can do this, it's just more efficient. Like let's just win on price and see where we get there. And if you still like the taste of like meat, like <laughs> continue doing that. Yeah, so be it. So be it. They'll have to innovate one way or the other, right? Totally. I think like why like I'm so excited about this um, is because it's such a huge market. Like mm-hmm. some more like research that I was doing um, it was that how much meat the u.s processes every single year it's mind-blowing numbers like humans have a really bad sense of exponential numbers and large numbers but if you look at the number of animals that are processed the u.s processes 9 billion chickens every year 121 million hogs 30 million cattle and 240 million turkeys like i have this giant pie graph like in front of me on jeff and me on on the screen it's It's just crazy Yeah, it's just like everything's chicken. It's wild and it's just massive amounts of beef. And like to put that in pounds, because I tried to like abstract like what does 30 million cattle actually mean? That's like 20, that is 26 and a half billion pounds of beef. And I still can't even like comprehend what that number is. I need to like think of like how many like aircraft tankers or like aircrafts that is. Because like I don't even know what that 26.3 billion pounds. I think what I get out of this, if I'm like an investor looking at investing into like impossible foods or beyond meat, is that this is just a massive market to enter and there's plenty of space to grow in this market. It's really exciting. And I think that this is just this, the tip of the iceberg for what did you call it? The meat analogs, meat analogs. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I wonder if um they would do well. And I don't know if th- this is something that's existed in the past, but when there was government subsidies or tax breaks for like EV vehicles along the lines of sustainability, like if a bill were to pass where you'd get a tax break for buying 
some portion of your your wares in like a meat analog or like if you're a restaurant if you served only whatever would you you know would you get a pass because it's more sustainable maybe it gets bundled into the carbon tax i don't know like i, I wonder if there's a way to incentivize the use of um alternative meats instead yeah it's really interesting like jumpstart it i mean because like for the clean energy industry what like the renewable tax credits did the ptc did was huge it just jumpstarted the industry and because it was this like we know it's more efficient but it's just expensive to manufacture right now. But once it like you get this inertia and critical mass, yep. it becomes cheaper to to run. And yeah, that's super interesting. I wonder if like maybe somewhere in the Midwest is the place to do it. It seems counterintuitive, but if you could tie it to like, hey, like uh, we're using our local soybeans to like make these impossible burgers, and like we're gonna get it at subsidized cost because it's like your local like farmer. I think that could be a really interesting strategy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's funny that you mentioned them. Because I think the Midwest is like grows a lot of corn and like you could do a whole series on just like the corn industry here in the U.S. and how that's used and honestly like misused in a lot of ways. But um, I think let's it's a good segue into competitors. So um, totally. I think we've probably touched on all the competitors. So I'll run through them really quickly. But we talked about just traditional meat, you know, meat from an animal, whether it's organic, free range or not, grass fed, doesn't matter. Meat from a live animal is a, a very different from a meat analog. This um, is the Arby's like uh, category. Yeah, for we have the meat. <laughs> exactly. Um, please sponsor us. Maybe. The, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, please sponsor us, but also maybe consider using a meat alternative. Um, yeah, Impossible Foods we've talked about. I think those are probably the two biggest players, like Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. Um, Impossible Foods is obviously a large maker of plant-based substitutes. They have a lot of partnerships. I know there's Impossible Burgers. There's one specifically at Burger King. Um, and I know they've done a lot of promos around that. They have slightly different approaches in how they create their their products. They differ by uh, researching animal products at the molecular level and you know trying to select proteins and nutrients um, from plants to recreate the experience. So there's different approaches. Um, and then we talked about lab-grown meat, which is a little bit more future-looking and I guess more blue sky. I think right now it's it's so nascent that it's hard to imagine growing that 26.3 billion pounds of beef in a lab. <laughs> like you would run out of real estate space, I think. But you know maybe some mix uh, between like traditional alternative and then lab grown might might be the answer i don't know at least 100 pounds of it's going to just be like me trying to grow meat in my basement <laughs> <laughs> okay do not go into mike's basement because it's yeah. going to be like a murder scene and like you're like no i'm actually just trying to <laughs> grow chicken wings and they're like what are you talking about and they're they're going to rescue and toss you in a you know a loony house um yeah let's let's talk about our thoughts i'm i'm happy to go first i think that I think that what's really impressive about Beyond Meat and any of the meat analog you know, companies is that they've kind of shifted the idea and their messaging away from, you should stop eating meat. Uh, mm-hmm. You should be vegetarian. You should do this instead. And uh, it's better for the environment. It's better for water. And they've shifted their messaging to, well, why not? You know, yeah. Why not our beef? It tastes the same, if not better. It's good quality. It's good for you. So why not try it? You know, and... And so now when I go to the aisles, I'm comparing between the two. I'm like looking at like a traditional package of beef and then maybe beyond beef. And the only thing that's stopping me from buying like a meat alternative all the time is mostly pricing, right? It seems like it's usually like whenever it's a $15 pack of beef, maybe it's like a $20, $25 pack of impossible meat. And I'm like, uh, like, is it worth it now? And, you know, am I getting good bang for my buck and stuff like that, right? So I, I don't mind paying for quality, but the onus is kind of on these companies to kind of prove to me that they're the same, if not better than, than the existing product. So that's where I kind of feel like they need to make some improvement. Uh, in terms of overall strategy, I, I like where they're going. Like they're starting to make it normal to eat mm-hmm. you know, plant alternatives. Like you're seeing it at McDonald's, you're seeing it at these really big traditional fast food 
places where scale is their game and they have always been processing a ton of beef and I don't know how they got these partnerships. Maybe it's saying, hey, you can cut a lot of dollar costs by not spending all this money on like, you know, buying beef from XYZ or doing all this stuff. Yeah. But that's know, a really interesting point that yeah. I didn't even think about. Of like, maybe it's like you could do something as simple as like the spoilage. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah. wonder, like, I'm sure these fast food chains lose a ton of money to spoilage. Yeah. I didn't even think about like, hey, it's like, you know, we might be a little, we might be 10% more expensive, but you're going to like reduce your waste by 20%. And I think overall the customer experience has been good. Like every time I've had an Impossible Burger or a Beyond Burger, like they've been really, really good. I think there's only like a slight difference between the, between that and real beef. And honestly, if I weren't eating them side by side, I normally wouldn't be able to tell. Um, so, yeah. and that's, that's a great experience. So overall, I think like the product's really good. Once the economies of scale kind of kick in and people start to normalize eating it more, I won't be surprised if people start to split it 25% eating some sort of meat analog or meat alternative. And because of that, I'm going to give this um, like a four out of five. Yeah, I love it. So I debated in my head if I'm going to give my first five star and I, I just can't yet because <laughs> the, the price isn't there. But yeah. and also like I'm super biased, like being super passionate about sustainability. Sure, so yeah. um, I'm going to have to rate this like four and a half. You know, I totally agree You know, for all the reasons that we talked about. I think where it's lacking that's from that five star experience is just getting to the mass market. And we just have to hit the same, if not dramatically cheaper price points where it's yep. just like so stupid to not eat. Yeah, um, plant-based yeah. products and like in like beef is like a treat you know it's like I, I think people would totally be cool with that it's like hey it's like beef prices haven't changed they've stayed the same but it just makes more sense for us to get that like you know protein fix by <laughs> you know a plant-based substitute mm-hmm. so yeah i'm gonna say four and a half out of five for me well that was a lot of fun i really enjoyed that one especially with my passions on sustainability yeah. um but yeah those are our thoughts on beyond meat uh we'd love to hear from our audience uh Feel free to share with us what you thought on our Instagram and Twitter accounts. You can find us at ProdX Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.